for being recorded? <laughs> of course. Oh, crap. To the happy project podcast my name is becky white if this is your first time we're basically talking about what it means to be living as a mixed culture mixed race person and that can take all kinds of forms and honestly all over the world so a lot of people have very different experiences we often have a guest with us in the studio discussing some aspect or another and well you can guess that right now it's just me no jay he's off doing who knows what so i'm sure you're all missing him is because he wasn't here the last episode either but uh he'll be back soon enough i will get him in the studio in the meanwhile yes it is me but not only me we do have a guest and this is her first time joining us on the happy project podcast Everybody, put your hands together for Danny. Hi, guys. Yay! I'm applauding for you. <laughs> Should I applaud for myself? Yeah, of course. Does that count? You can always applaud for yourself. Well, I'm happy to be here, so I guess that, that warrants applause. Okay, good, good. I'm so glad you're joining me today, Danny. Uh, all right, well, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. The air is kind of bad, but it's good. I feel like it has been in Korea for some time. Mostly Seoul. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever hear that they had said it's actually a conspiracy theory by the government in an effort to kind of control people, make them more afraid, and also to sell face masks? I actually read this somewhere. That sounds like maybe could work. However, when it's bad air days, I feel like I'm dying every time I climb upstairs. So You don't think it's a placebo effect? Well, I don't really know it's bad air days until I'm dying, and then I check it. So maybe maybe it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Maybe it's just the stairs. But I, I honestly just the stairs. <laughs> I honestly can't tell because um, of all my years living here, I've never been affected by the fine dust. And I'm a little scared that 10 years down the line, I'll be coughing up a lung, and <laughs> inside is just going to be piles of fine dust. This is something my mom seems to be afraid of. Or, I, or is it just you know a fake thing yeah. who knows well to be fair i wasn't really affected by it mm. until um when i first got here everyone's like find us find us i'm like you guys are crazy Mm-mm-mm. but then i got really sick and um it was just a common cold that just developed into bronchitis and then oh. it was it was a whole ordeal but then afterwards i've just been extra sensitive whenever Mm-mm-mm. it's you know dust it just feels like my lungs are like Mm-mm-mm. dying on me yeah it's called mizemanji by the way for people who are listening and if you don't know what fine dust is in korea do check it out you're gonna find a couple articles it's different from yellow dust uh, fine dust is mostly pollutants in the air, and they're apparently extremely small. And they uh, coming over mostly from China because of factories and smog. And it's a fairly recent phenomenon here in Seoul, and a lot of people have uh, been obviously greatly impacted by it. But that's neither here nor there. It's just the kind of chat we've been having. So honestly, Danny, like we don't have to fake anything. We know each other quite well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're saying it might be the stairs. Well, no. I'm trying to t- change to a different 
conversation topic. <laughs> this has nothing to do with Find Us anymore. This means that, you know, I said in the uh, intro that this is your first time joining in the studio. It is. But this is not the first time you and I have talked. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. Anyway, Danny and I have known each other for some time, and this is her first time joining us in the studio. And it's so cool. It's interesting to see you here. Have you ever been on a podcast before? No. Never? Never. Are you excited? I like microphones. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, you recently bought one. Yeah, so. I was really excited about that, but I bought it, and I'm not sure what to do with it. Mm-hmm. So I'll leave the podcasting to the professionals. You know, you, you could do a podcast. You have a nice podcasting voice. But I don't know what about. What about? I'd rather be your guest for now. Okay. How about that? (laughs) All right. Well, you're my guest today. I have you all to myself. Yes. Well, today what we decided to talk about is uh, immigrant parents. And when I had brought this up to you, you, I remember you kind of clenched your teeth a little bit in a grimace. And you explained that it's actually the term immigrant that you're not so fond of. And I was wondering, maybe I think that actually might be the best thing to open on first, since at the time, I don't know if we have a better term, you know, to use when we're discussing this issue. So even, you know, following after this, though we might continue using the term immigrant in the podcast, all of this is kept in mind what Danny's about to say now about the term immigrant. Um, I don't know. I feel like the term immigrant has maybe very recently or maybe it's just my experiences, it seems to have taken a very negative connotation. Mm -hmm. Whenever we heard um, when I was younger, oh, so-and-so immigrated from, you know, the old world and came and did wonderful things. It was always like the immigrants were great contributions to this new society. and this is from the perspective of the United States, mm-hmm. where I mostly grew up. Um, but now when I hear the term immigrant, it's really never put in a positive light. Mm. It's always normally said in a negative way, like, oh, those immigrants or, oh, the immigrants did this. And instead of saying like, oh, we have so many great immigrants that are contributing so much to our education, to our you know sciences, our doctors, all of this, it's like, oh, the immigrants that came over and somehow they're associated with like criminals or low income mm-hmm. or poverty or just... It's never positive, and I feel like for people who don't interact with immigrants very much or, you know, just haven't had the chance to get to know one personally, what they're being told as an immigrant, like, what an immigrant is, is all of these negative factors. So when someone's like, oh, yeah, I came from X, Y, and Z, they're like, oh, Mm -hmm. you're an immigrant. I see. Versus like, oh, you have this wealth of knowledge and cultural different experiences Mm -hmm. from us, Mm -hmm. you know, that could benefit everything. It's now seen as like, oh, you're coming to take advantage of what we have in the home ground. You know, okay, I do agree with you. On some extent, I actually do agree that there are extreme stereotypes and biases that people of, let's say, quote unquote, the home nation will feel about people who are coming into the home nation from other places. I do, however, disagree that this is a recent phenomenon. I recently went to Washington, D.C. over the holiday break, and I was able to visit a couple museums. And there was one museum in particular that, um, I can't remember the exact name of the museum, but it's where they housed 
the, the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence and all of this. And they have an archive room. And you can walk through the archive room and they show major historical events. They have, you know, video clips like Martin Luther King Jr. talking about um, white supremacy versus, you know, the civil rights movement and all of this. And um, they have this sliding screen where you can kind of slide through the years and over certain decades they point out specific acts uh, that Congress passed or the Supreme Court passed and which are now part of U.S. law or are now obsolete. Basically, it's kind of a history book. And I noticed that majority of these acts that I was reading had to do with immigrants. And it will scale all the way back to, let's say, uh, Chinese immigrants coming to work on the railroads, right? And people, how they were being treated. And there's so much extreme racism, especially against uh, black Americans and uh, Asian immigrants. This is something I really, really noticed. And then, of course, I can't give you the specific details, but the, this will go also way back, hundreds of years back, where they're capping off like so-and-so enough immigrants from this country and that country. And unfortunately, U.S. has a history of lumping immigrants together. You know what I mean? And this is very apparent, for example, you know, Japanese-American internment camps. And they would also put in Chinese people or Americans who look Japanese or Koreans, for example. Because when it's something you don't know, a.k.a. immigrant or person from a different country, people tend to react in, uh, I don't want to say a strange way because they have their reasons, but sometimes in volatile or rushed manners without fully understanding the people or that people group. Uh, so I do think that this issue of immigrants, immigration, is frankly a very long-standing one, especially concerning the United States. Um, mm. And I know it's a really touchy topic that we're bringing up. Um, you're right. And I think it's also like a lot of fear and ignorance mm -hmm. with people when faced with different cultures as well. Um, I guess for me personally, it seemed like kind of new because growing up with, you know, different cultures, um, I found that people often tend to like get together when it's the same culture. So as a child, I really didn't notice it. It's just like, oh, this person speaks this language and this person speaks that yeah, language. Sure. and when we go this place, we eat this kind of food. And when mm -hmm. we go here, we eat this kind of food. So as like, and like a childlike innocence, I was kind of protected from a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And then when I saw the negative side, you know, directed towards my mom, it yeah. was just like, what is this? And it's just kind of like, that innocence was just torn away. So for me, it felt kind of recent, but mm -hmm. you're right, it has been going on for a long time. I think it's beautiful that you're able to grow up in, you know, mixed cultures without feeling a sense of oppression or extreme separation, you know, because you grew up mostly in the States. Mm -hmm. And um, would you say that you are mostly growing up in your mom's culture or would you say you are growing up mostly in just American culture or you had a good combination of both? I had a good combination of both. Um, my family didn't have a lot of extended family. Mm hmm. And um, my mom was very religious. So we grew up in an international church environment. Mm -hmm. So when Putluck came around, you had people who brought good old classic American apple pie. <laughs> sure. And then you had people who would bring like Vietnamese noodles, yeah. or, you know, or a 
kind of sauce that was only found in a certain area of, you know, some Asian country or some South American country mm. or just so it was a lot of variety yeah so it was just kind of assumed like oh if they speak this language you know if you don't understand them just be polite you know yeah like, right right if you don't like it get a little bit so you can <laughs> taste it and if you don't like it just eat what you got and don't get any more mm. so it was it was actually a pretty amazing thing that I was able to grow up in a community mostly through a church environment where it was just so many different people from different cultures. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't weird to go and taste something different and potentially not tasty <laughs> to me. Okay, uh -huh. It was just kind of like a new experience. Yeah. And as a child, I was really, really fortunate to grow up in that kind of environment. Yeah. But in terms of my mother's culture or my family's culture, um, it wasn't very like, this is us and this is them. It mm -hmm. was more of like... This is diversity, and this is American. Mm -hmm. So it was it was very, sometimes the clear cut was very there, but it wasn't like, oh, you're from X, Y, and Z. It was just like, you're just not originally from the United States. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of a mixture of all of the other cultures coming together. Sure. I think that's really cool that you got to grow up in that kind of experience. I think that's actually very significant and a huge plus of growing up in the United States because you can be exposed to so many cultures. So coming back to the term immigrant then, what do you think is a better term? And another thing is, like, what is how exactly for you would you define an immigrant? I, I know it's kind of a complicated question. It's and it might be a little question. bit loaded. <laughs> uh, but honestly, this is just a safe place to have the discussion. And, you know, kind of, um, I guess, like a, a heads up to everyone who's listening. Neither of us are, you know, immigration officers <laughs> or, or like working in customs or anything. So this is purely coming off of our own experiences. Um, I think the second question is easier to answer than the first question. Okay what I would define as an immigrant. Mm -hmm. I think an immigrant is anyone who leaves something behind okay, and goes into a new environment. Okay. And that's a super broad definition. But for example, in the United States, it's a pretty huge place. So it's like if someone is from California and they suddenly move to Wisconsin. <laughs> okay. Would you, it's a culture shock. Would you call them a Californian immigrant then? Is that, is that how would you define them? <laughs> well, to me, yeah, they're, they're relocating mm. from one area where they had friends, family, sure. favorite restaurants, a way of doing things, um, a morning routine to an area where it could potentially be completely different. Mm -hmm. And in the United States, it's kind of nice because you expect people to speak English, but mm -hmm. people who are coming from other countries or relocating or immigrating to a country that doesn't speak their language, yeah. it, there's all of that extra hassle as well as you know, legal paperwork and mm -hmm. just other difficulties that they have to experience. But and in essence, is someone who, when I say immigrant, I believe is someone who's leaving something behind for something else. Mm. Actually, I really like that. That's a very good definition. I mean, obviously, it can't be politically correct of or <laughs> legally correct, but I think it gets a point across that this isn't a matter of just switching nationalities. People think that immigrants are somebody who chose to come from a nation to B nation, and they gave up rights to be a nation citizen so they can become B nation citizen. And it's a whole lot more than just 
that. And I think you made a very fair point in saying that you're leaving behind things you know and you have to adapt in somewhere new. And that can look like food, that can look like vernacular, that can just be language, education systems, everything. And so now we come to this issue. I think first you've hit on the head of compassion. People forget often the fear, often in the fear of immigrants, how to be compassionate towards immigrants. And I think that's the first step of understanding. Now, the second thing to deal with is um, people being afraid of immigrants coming in and stealing jobs. This is always a thing that I hear. You know, frankly, I'm just spouting out what I hear from the news. <laughs> oh, the immigrants are coming. They're stealing our jobs, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Do you think there's any truth behind that? Because I feel like there's not necessarily, I mean, there are unreasonable fears for sure. A lot of this can get hyped up, unreasonable fears, media, et cetera. But is there no seed of truth to that? Um, I think there is some truth to that. Really? And I think that fear of it is definitely a big reason people mistreat immigrants. Mm -mm -mm. But the truth is that if there is... 10 jobs and those 10 positions are filled mm -hmm. that's 10 people who didn't get those positions sure um that being said i feel that someone once made a joke mm -hmm. um i don't know if it was online or a friend or it was a group conversation i don't recall the context mm -hmm. but they said if an illiterate uneducated immigrant can come and take your job you didn't have a great job to start with Okay. Uh -huh. And that's very borderline racist. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, whenever it faces me personally, that's like, oh, you know, how do you feel that such and such person with, you know, a master's degree and X, Y, and Z came and took the position you wanted? Right. And it's just like, I feel that if the person is being paid fairly, mm -hmm. a fair competitive wage, and they got it on merit, mm -mm -mm. then it's my fault for not upping my education for not sure. upping my specs i was just thinking you know the opposite point of that joke is not that you know it wasn't a good job it was that you were more ignorant and more illiterate <laughs> so you couldn't get the job yourself yeah, that's so the way i was seeing it <laughs> i feel that if the job is you know in market mm -hmm. then it's you know don't blame it on an immigrant when you should first look at your specs yeah however yeah. The flip side of that coin and being close to different cultures is that I've often seen immigrants get exploited and like mm -mm -mm. abused. Right. So I have friends who are professional chefs mm -hmm. and um, they want to work in their field. Yeah. They want to, you know, make these creations and cook and just, you know, they studied for it. They have the education. The problem is that if you leave one of the major cities, you can no longer make a living doing it. Mm -hmm. So especially in the South where there's a big immigrant population, you'll see a lot of immigrants getting exploited that instead of getting minimum wage, you know, at least, mm -hmm. they're working for cents on the dollar, mm -hmm. you know. And in that case, I think that the employment black market is hurting the natives because mm -hmm. like my friends can't go and make a living doing what they want in their career because they the restaurant owners or whoever it is that's hiring people 
is abusing the workforce that they can get for cheaper. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I think it's a dual-sided coin. So it's if this person got it on merit and they're getting a fair competitive salary mm -hmm. and, you know, they deserve the job, mm -hmm. then it's my fault. Mm -hmm. But I feel that if the person who got the job is being abused mm -hmm. simply because of the fact that they are an immigrant mm -hmm. or they couldn't speak the language or they couldn't write the language or something like that. Right. I feel like that that's a major problem with immigration at times. Yes. So it's two sides. I do I do see that. I also come on the point of every nation has their language or languages where everything runs. And being able to speak the language of that country, being able to communicate with the people in the nation as a whole, is that not an expected qualification? for each person, no matter where you're coming from. So in the case of, say, immigrants coming wanting a specific job, maybe they are amazing chefs, and maybe they were famous and successful back in their home country. But now that they come to the States and a baseline expectation is to speak English, right? And they can't. Does that disqualify them then from a position that they're very well qualified for in every regard except for language? Because this is something that I have um, I've seen a lot with uh, friends. For example, I have a friend. She's highly educated, and she knows her business and management. But she ends up working in a nail salon because no one will hire her because of her language ability. Her English is just not up to par to be in the business world. So is that unfair, you know? And I know that is also a hard question, and there's a lot of you know, prior problems that lead to this. But it is, I mean, it's a question we're thinking about. Personally, I don't want to say whether or not it's fair, mm. but I feel like it's a reality. Um, it's a reality of the situation. Yeah. And I've seen it from both sides. I've, I've been in, obviously I grew up with multicultural, you know, people, and there is always a part of me that's like, oh, I feel so bad, they're so intelligent, and you know, but they can't speak English. They should learn English, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. And, like, part of me was always on that side of, like, the side of privilege. Like, I grew I, I learned English as a child, yeah. you know? So it's, like, the difficulty of it was, like, just learn English, you know? But then when personally I immigrated, when I went to different countries, and the difficulties of, like, learning a language or just, like, the intonation, the pronunciation, just, just the difficulties of it, mm. it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks like mm -hmm. everyone's like oh learn English learn English learn English but it's just like you should also learn the language of the country you're going to yeah. and like for me personally it's difficult to learn Korean like <laughs> yeah. the whole pamma the uh -huh. honorific speech and uh -huh. the non-honorific speech I'm like it's so complicated what is going on so yeah. it's like it definitely gave me uh like more sympathy and more empathy with with people who are doing that struggle so I wouldn't say whether or not it's fair, mm -hmm. but it's a reality of the situation. Yeah. I do think, though, that oftentimes the locals or whoever has the privilege of knowing the language or having mm -hmm. grown up with the language forget how difficult it is for someone else to yeah. learn it. I think that's very true. And not only is there a lot of ignorance, it also breeds a lot of discrimination and just very bad things like 
there was this time with my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, we were sitting at a restaurant eating ethnic food. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like I was at, you know, some all-American place. It was an ethnic <laughs> okay. food restaurant. Uh-huh. Olive was... Garden, the <laughs> fake Italian for Americans. Shout out. <laughs> uh, it was a little bit more ethnic than that. Okay. I'll just leave it at that. Um, but we were just sitting and talking. Yeah. You know, and we weren't speaking English. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were just talking back and forth. And... This lady comes in, mind you, she's going to gentrified version of this ethnic restaurant. Yeah. And it's like, oh, they should learn how to speak English. Mm. And like the snobbiest voice. Mm-mm-mm. And like, I'm just like, whatever. You say something and rolls off of me. But I saw my mom's face. Mm. And like, I don't think I've ever seen her look that sad or shocked mm-hmm. in an instant. Mm-hmm. And she covered it up really well, like, with what I would say practice ease. And that made me even feel worse. Yeah. Because that means that she's had practice covering up every time someone says something bad or mean or discriminates against her for no reason. Yeah. And that was just like, what is going on? Like, I I lost it. I was like, excuse me. Mm-hmm. I turned around to her and I'm like, my mom speaks these many languages. How many languages do you speak? Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, I said it in perfect English. Yeah. With, you know, the, the perfect intonation that comes when you're really mad at something. <laughs> uh-huh. And the lady's like, oh. and they have no manners either. Oh. Oh, okay. Uh, I was just like, okay. All man, right. Like, at this point, you know, there's there's a point that's like, really? You're talking about manners right now? Yeah. Like, you know you won't win. But at the same time, just like the whole situation, it's just like we weren't doing anything. We weren't being loud. It was just the two of us having, you know, just eating a meal mm-hmm. and talking in a language other than English. Mm-hmm. And someone felt that it was completely okay to come and comment on the fact that we should, quote, unquote, learn English mm-hmm. when we speak English, we're just choosing to speak a different language. And I think that sometimes highlights how people talk about things they don't fully understand. Hmm. So to her, that comment may have been in passing. And she may have said that comment hundreds of times. But to my mom, like, it looked like she had been punched in the gut. Mm -hmm. And when I saw that reaction, it was just, it's really heartbreaking. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Happy Project podcast. We hope you are enjoying what you're listening to. You can always find us anywhere you get your podcasts. We also have the YouTube channel where you can see some more stories in video format. If you'd like to get in touch, you've got something to say or you're just curious or you've got questions, you can always email us at thehappyproject at gmail.com. As you guys are aware, right now Australia is caught up in all of those fires and whether you're an advocate or a denier of climate change, I'll hold my tongue on that side. Regardless, people there and the wildlife need help. So if you are interested in supporting or you just simply want to know what's going on, I really recommend that you check out the Australian Red Cross. You can find more information on their social media and website, as well as ways to donate. And I hope that you guys will do something for our planet.
I am really glad you shared that story. And I think that you are not the only one who has had that kind of experience. And it's funny because so myself also growing up with my mom who immigrated from Korea to the States, she didn't know English when she went first to the States. And obviously when you immigrate later in your life, unless you are really studying hard or you're in an environment where you're forced to learn English on a perfect level, it's going to be really hard to pick it up. And English itself is an extremely complex language. So I know what it's like to grow up with one parent who doesn't speak English perfectly and watching or listening to the reactions of people around you. I remember one time we were driving in the car and um, my mom was, of course, driving. I was sitting in the backseat and there were these three boys on the side of the road and they were selling lemonade. My mom, being as she was, was like, oh, let's let's buy some lemonade, you know, give them some money, buy some lemonade. She came and she rolled down the window. They're like, hi, do you want some lemonade? She said, I do want lemonade. I left some cash at home. Our, our house was literally right down the street. She said, I drive home, pick up some cash, and I'll come back and buy from you, okay? And she just rolled up the window, but, you know, thinking, like, this will be so sweet. And um, I guess she just didn't hear it, but I heard the boys being like, what the heck did she say? You know, like, this kind of behavior, this this manner of basically, like, wow, this, this person just kind of jabbered at us, basically. And they were, like, looking at each other and laughing. And it made my blood boil, frankly, um, of course, I don't want to excuse them for being little kids, but it is a reflection of the general culture and atmospheres that they might be growing up in, you know. And I have to wonder if the U.S. is especially susceptible to that. I do think in America there's a very strong sense of American pride, we're Americans, you know, learn English if you want to live here kind of attitude. And it becomes more and more apparent to me, especially with the Trump administration, you know, and lots of things that are happening. I see you rolling your eyes, okay? You're, I feel like you are holding back expletives right now, just locking it in your mouth, okay? <laughs> Waiting till the mic is off, then this room's going to set on fire. <laughs> but um, I just feel like uh, this is a lot that you're seeing in the rhetoric today, basically. And people who have, you know, always been facing this discrimination from the American public, I feel like it's now more obvious and more outspoken. And it's crazy to me to think that it's not even just people who don't speak English perfectly, but just people who look different. Whatever this different, quote unquote, of what an American, quote unquote, is supposed to look like. Right. And um, I mean, this was kind of more like my own just reflections out loud, basically. <laughs> but I have to wonder if you have anything to say about that. Um, I think that. Some people blame the Trump administration. Some people blame social media. Yeah. Um, I think at the end of the day, it's ignorance. Mm -hmm. um, whenever you write, like, an academic paper, yeah, you're not allowed to just, like, cite one source. You have to get credible <laughs> sources from multiple locations yes, yes. to make sure that your, that your paper has quality, yeah. right? But I feel that nowadays people are just so complacent mm. or they're just so okay with just whatever they're fed. Yeah. So it's like if they're only getting their news from Facebook news, mm -hmm. not not discriminating against Facebook news, sure. you know, or social media or one news channel, then they're only getting 
the spin of the story that they're being told. Right. I mean, something to couch on that is that people will say, like, I listen to this news source because they're unbiased. The fact remains is that there is a human being behind that news story. And every single human has a bias. You have a bias. I have a bias. And so if we're wanting to overcome these biases, that we have to be more knowledgeable about what we're talking about and hearing it from many different angles. As I say, there's always two sides to a coin. And that's the same thing with whatever you're intaking, whatever you're hearing, whether that's through social media or other forms of media. But anyway, continue. Someone once mentioned not just the two sides to a coin, which is a great analogy, but Mm -hmm. also um, a beach ball. Okay. I don't know. You know the beach balls that sometimes you see bouncing around in concerts and like each panel has a different I color? I see. I see where you're going. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I see it. <laughs> so it's like it's not just side A and side B, but there's possible size C, D, and E. Yeah, and even sides that you've never seen before. This is like an infinitely enormous beach ball <laughs> with an endless array of colors. Very true. But I feel that it's if we want to be conscious Mm, of mm, mm, how we're thinking we have to realize that it's possible that we don't know all the sides yeah so that whatever we're thinking or feeling at that moment is based on what we know and if we never go out to try to find out more yeah we're gonna stay with the knowledge that we had and never learn anything new yeah so i feel in that sense that's the major problem you know like someone who it's never met an immigrant or it's never met an Asian person or it's mm-hmm. never met a black person or a Hispanic person or a purple person. Mm-hmm. I've never met a purple person. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like they don't know. And sometimes yeah. it's very difficult to put yourself in a situation where you don't know. Mm. So someone might not understand what an immigrant is thinking or feeling or going through, but they'll understand if they can no longer have their favorite donut ever because they move to another city. Mm-hmm. You know, they might not understand how difficult it is to learn English, mm. but let them try to learn a different language. Yeah. And I think that just having a different perspective on what you know and what you don't know, like realizing that there's things you don't know, yeah, is super important to kind of curve that mentality. Mm-hmm. And like the kids in the lemonade stand, like yeah, they're kids, mm-hmm. you know. But at the same time, adults do it too yeah and like i've had so many friends that they're so intelligent so so intelligent but they just can't find the words to express themselves yeah and it's great that you know they're trying but i like to think about or at least when i found the difficulty of not being able to speak a language i thought about how many times someone had been made fun of Mm -hmm. because they couldn't express themselves And I was so grateful that someone was trying to speak to me in my native language, that's English, when it wasn't theirs. Mm. So in order for them to communicate with me, whatever it is they were saying, whether it was something nice or something they wanted, they were putting in twice as much effort than I was. Mm -hmm. Because for me, it's native. It's Mm -hmm. like, I understand it. I grew up with it. Mm. But for that person, they have to think it, Mm -hmm. and then they have to say it in a language they're not familiar with. Mm -hmm. So for me, it takes... One effort. Yeah. For them, it took two efforts. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I'm really glad that we're talking about this because, look, the fact remains is that no matter what we say in this studio, it's not going to make, you know, changes (laughs) to immigration policy or, you know, affect the minds of whoever is 
in charge of changing laws, okay? <laughs> Saying it in a very flat way. But the one thing that we can do is by sharing our own experiences and stories is, you know, maybe somebody's listening and maybe they can feel a little bit more compassionate to an experience or a person that they just don't understand. This is something that I often say on our channel is that people are afraid of what they don't know. And if you're ignorant about something, I don't know if you can necessarily be held accountable for your actions and words entirely, um, if it's made out of pure ignorance. But once you do know, and I think that all of us should constantly be striving to know, then you should be a little wiser and you should be held accountable for your actions. And so hoping that whoever is listening to this podcast, maybe this is your very first time you've ever even considered that there might be people who don't speak the same language as you. Now that when you run across a person who does speak a different language from you and they can't communicate to you well in English, we're hoping that you might have at least a spark of compassion somewhere deep down inside of you. I do think that maybe call me an optimist, you know, but I obviously don't see an end to immigration into the U.S. And I'm hopeful that it can end in good ways. You know, right now we're having a whole lot of trouble. People are always, you know, build the wall, keep the Mexicans out, the caravan, you know, Muslims and all of this crazy stuff that we hear today. But I hope that people can become more educated and therefore more compassionate and realize that just because you don't know it doesn't mean it's not to, it's out to hurt you, you know. And this is a very important way to view people that are just different from who you are, frankly. Well, that was quite long-winded. <laughs> Danny, you mentioned that you wanted to ask questions. I don't know if anything popped to your mind at all while we were having this discussion, but the floor is yours. It's always yours. Way to put me on the spot. Mm -hmm. um, has there ever been a time mm. where, as you grew up in the United States, right? Right. As an American or as, you know, just a place where you're at or maybe as half Korean, mm -hmm. where you've had a moment where you're like, Oh wow, this is this is my privilege speaking. Mm -mm -mm. Where it, it doesn't have to be big. It can just be something where it was just like you thought of a certain way, and then suddenly you caught yourself going like, "Oh, th this is this is coming from a place of privilege," and I didn't understand what this other person sure, was coming from. Sure, sure. Um, yes, of course. Uh, these are all things about being extremely self-aware. <laughs> right, which I think we all should be. Um, in this case, you know, it's funny because I always, you know, grew up speaking English and I attended schools where you speak English. And so when I would meet friends who didn't speak English and they would say like, and we would talk about their future, you know, be like, hey, what do you want to what do you want to do when you grow up? Like, where do you want to live? What career do you want? More often than not, of course, I'm speaking to my Korean friends and um, they would just say something like, oh, well, I hope to get into a nice company, you know, have a stable career, et cetera, et cetera. So are you happy doing that? You know, asking a total innocence, like, really, you'd be happy working in that? Because I find you to be a not nine to five job kind of person. Like, I, I bet you'd be great doing this or that. And uh, oftentimes they would just say like, well, I, I can't because I don't have the right kind of visa 
or I I don't speak English and there's none of those kind of jobs here in Korea, you know. And um, or I, I can't afford to go to university outside of Korea where I could learn how to do that. And I at first I would be like, oh, come on, like you can do anything you want to do. You know, if, if you if you try really hard, you can do it, which, you know, in some kind of simplistic way, it is true. But I was very much discounting all of the obstacles that they would have to go over, obstacles that don't exist for me, such as getting a U.S. based degree and speaking English and Korean, you know, having that ability um, and having, you know, flexibility and freedom with my visa and passport to be able to travel around and work in another country if I chose to, you know. And so it surprisingly took me some time because I'm, I'm a very optimistic kind of go-getter person. So I would hear that. I'd be like, come on, don't make excuses for yourself. Like, you can do it. And it would really, it really took me a while to just be like, frankly, the the person who's being a downer here is me. You know, <laughs> I'm the one pointing out how difficult it is for you. So, yeah, long story short is yes. And that has been a case. I that. think it's easy to forget. Oh, sometimes. of course. Like... We're so used to it mm. that we're just like, it's normal. Like, as kids, we're told to dream whatever you want to dream. Yeah. Whereas some people, it was like, dream on your own time. <laughs> and, and make enough money to, to be secure. The kids, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is why, as I get older, I am more and more grateful for my mom's hard work mentality. And I don't wish that on anybody, that they'll have to suffer, you know, to get where they are, to be stable and happy, relatively. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm very grateful that I had my mom. My mom was an immigrant mom, you know, and um, I could learn those things from her because I think it does give you a level of, I'm hoping, compassion. I'm hoping a mindset of understanding towards people who are coming from a different place. But you know what's funny? People always will say like, um, hey, if there were more mixed relationships and mixed race couples, there'd be no racism. <laughs> right. OK, this is <laughs> OK. Yeah, good. You and I are on the same page. I've heard this so many times. Hey, if there's more mixed race couples, there will be no racism. OK, one. Then you kind of pulling this over to our conversation on immigration and immigrants. They say, hey, if you had a nation just full of immigrants, then nobody would discriminate against each other. That is entirely not true whatsoever. You will see people who go through terrible hardships coming from one country to another. You get to this other country, you meet another set of immigrants, but they're from a different country, different culture. And people will just find a way to discriminate against each other. So how do you resolve this? Really? You know, what, what is at the heart of this? And I don't know if anyone could give that answer, but what I can know for a fact is what you can do as an individual is, you know, one, catch yourself. And two, try to understand, you know, like actually sometimes you have to think to yourself and stop yourself. Hey, am I having a bias by looking at this person right now? Okay, how can I learn to get around that? I'm going to give you a quick story on this case. Uh, I was on the airplane coming back to Korea. I was visiting the States for some time and as I was flying back, there's always a weird shift. when So when I'm on an, an American airliner, Okay, not necessarily American Airlines, but on American Airliner. And the stewardesses are all American, English-speaking, typically white. Um, and so are the passengers around me. I see how people talk to me, okay? 
I'm always, I, I don't know. And I'm just like, yeah, okay, cool. I'm just doing my thing, speaking English. And then when I make the switch, typically flying from China to Korea to in a, a Korean airliner, you know, and everyone's Korean. Uh, but I'm very, it's weird because um, I get a little bit on edge. It's all, only about this time where I'm like, are they going to speak to me in Chinese or Korean? Are they going to speak to me in English or Chinese or Korean? You know what I mean? Because they never know how to peg me. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I get a little touchy. You know, this is my problem, frankly. But I remember so I was sitting in my seat and then the person who was coming to sit in by the window was Korean. And he spoke to me in English. He said, oh, I need to get by. That's my seat. So I responded to him in Korean. And he was like, oh, OK. So then he sat down. I was like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, I'm Korean, too. Like, don't don't make judgments. Like, this is what I was thinking inside, like people judging me, you know, guessing, making assumptions by how I appear. Guys, I'm not saying this is a good thing, but <laughs> for some reason it happens to me when I'm on the airplane. OK, only when I'm making that one switch. Then the second guy came in and he was like, oh, I have to sit here. He was the aisle seater. And he also spoke to me in English. And I wasn't looking closely at his face. I was fairly jet lagged. And so I was kind of like, again, you know, people just making assumptions again by how I look. And so I responded to him in Korean. And he looked at me and I looked at him. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you're not even Korean. And he was Chinese, as I figured out later. And I realized at that moment it hit me like a lightning bolt. Oh, my word. I was so being like, oh, you're judging me. You're judging me. You're making <laughs> assumptions on how I look. I did the exact same thing right in the middle of my pile of judgment. And I was, it humbled me, Danny. It humbled me so hard. And I was silent for the rest of the flight. But <laughs> I, I was realizing, you know, as much as I am here on this podcast and doing the Happy Project YouTube channel and saying and advocating for don't make judgments on how a person looks. Look at me, you know, doing the exact same thing right in the middle of it. So what's my point? You need to hold yourself accountable and learn and be compassionate no matter who you are, you know. And that was a long story just to make one point. And I hope it came across. It's a pretty good point, though. Okay, good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, if you were like, that was awful, awful, take it out. I would tell you. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. You would tell me? Maybe. I, I, you, you'd probably tell me, but I don't think you'd tell me. I think you would mic. have noticed if, like, my eyes glazed over and I started looking at my <laughs> oh phone. My yeah. I wouldn't interrupt you. Oh, okay. you'd wait till I was done. And then you'd be like, I'm so sorry. I dozed off for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I guess we won't know because it was a good story. Oh, okay. Well, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. All right. Well, before we wrap up, again, I just wanted to say anything else you wanted to add to this conversation, which is honestly, it's a very multi-layered, complex, difficult topic. And uh, probably some people get offended just by bringing it up. But that's the thing. Regardless, we hope that you guys enjoyed this. Is there anything else you wanted to add? Do we have time for a small story time? I love story time. Okay, tell me something. Okay, so you were mentioning like all of um, all of your judgment things, right? <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> being judgy. Uh-huh. Um, and like being left out or being included, mm -hmm. things like that. For me, it was, I had a moment like that when I had a huge bag of candy that I've been craving. Okay. And I was just so happy to have this candy from my childhood that oh, I had like, okay. I really wanted to have and I was so excited yeah. and I was like super excited to share it with someone because I was just excited to have it sure and I share it and the reaction was so different 
Like some people were, from who, oh, people around you. People who were eating the candy because oh, okay. I'm thinking it's the okay. best thing since sliced yeah. bread. Yeah. You know, like this is awesome. <laughs> okay. I finally got my hands on this. This is amazing. The world needs to see this. Yes. And I handed it out to a few people. Some people politely were like, mm. <laughs> Right, okay. Nobody saw Danny's expression, but her eyes were kind of like slightly open and she had a straight line mouth and it was like, oh, that's nice. Like, that's exactly what Mm, it looked like. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) thank you. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Then I had a friend who's super expressive. Yeah. Took a bite and took like a big bite, not like those little tiny bites that you do when you're tasting something new. (laughs) Took like a huge bite, you know, just being like, Uh being themselves. Yeah. And the next two seconds, proceeded to spit it out. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I realized that it's perception, you wow. know. Like, yeah. for me, it's the best candy <laughs> in the world. For uh-huh. this person, uh-huh. it was so gross. They couldn't even keep it <laughs> to, like, spit it out oh elsewise. Gosh. It just went blah, and it fell on the floor. <gasps> and it just made me realize, I think that's that's kind of part of, most of our lives something that we may hold dear or be sensitive about or be really knowledgeable about Mm -hmm. isn't necessarily the same for other people so true whether it's the way we deal with immigrants Mm -hmm. or language or job prospects Mm -hmm. or candy yeah i think that it's it's important to keep that in mind a good way to end this episode so it was kind of touching a little bit on just uh, let's say reflections on immigration if we're just gonna give it uh, a little spiffy title there but there's so much more that can be said if you guys are interested in having more discussions about this and i'm sure it will happen more in the podcast in the future but specifically if there's a topic related to this that you'd like to discuss feel free to send an email of course and uh, we'll see what we can do to address that but anyway danny we're gonna wrap up here thank you so much for joining me in the studio thank you for having me yeah it was really fun <laughs> and uh okay I'm, I'm thinking about dinner now so <laughs> something yeah. tasty afterwards what are you gonna get do i don't know, know. I don't can know you that. pick something so that i don't have to think about it uh, well you only pick one of three things so and that's you already, not you very had all the time for lunch because it was with me And (laughs) mind you, anyone who knows me knows that there's like a rotation of three things. Uh So that that's not very helpful. Um, However, we can can try something completely different. We're not going there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even kidding. You know, every single time we've had a meal together for the last, I want to say half year, it's been one of those three things. (laughs) Okay, let's go for chimic, for fried chicken. Anyway, we won't make our listeners suffer (laughs) listening to us thinking. But we are going to wrap it up here. Danny, once again, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And thank you guys for tuning in. Remember, you can subscribe anywhere you get your podcast. Check us out the YouTube channel and Instagram for more stories and photos. The Happy Project. And of course, email us at happyproject at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in. We are The Happy Project.
Huzzah, huzzah. Do I get to clap for you? Yes, thank you. Clap for you, thank me at the you. beginning. <laughs>